the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To begin our Friday broadcast of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jessica Stan. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let the world mock you who fear God. You are wise. You are wise. And it's fundamental to keeping me back from doing something that my fallen nature would be given over to do. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is right. The fear of the Lord is good. The fear of the Lord is wise. It's essential to an authentic relationship with God. The fear of the Lord will allow my confession to be authentic and pure. Well, it was 45 years ago next month that Apollo 11 blasted off the man's first landing on the moon. The initial blast from the Saturn V rocket was over 7 million pounds of thrust. (laughs) That's power. But you know, it's nothing compared to the power available to you and I from the Holy Spirit of God. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Jesse is currently sharing a series of messages out of the book of Acts. We'll be focusing on the miracles performed by the apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit. So join us here in Acts chapter 1 with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Here's Pastor Jesse. If we were to deal with the subject of the um, unpardonable sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, we already have talked about that at length. That's not something anyone can do anytime, anywhere, willy-nilly. That's not an easy sin to commit. There's a lot of pre-qualifications requisite to committing that sin. People don't go around every day committing the unpardonable sin. That's another mercy of God. But with regards to God's people, there there are providential acts. And I'll affirm this in a moment. But what God did was when Israel was in the wilderness, he disciplined them and he taught them that you have a nature. You and I have a nature where we can be taught truth almost by God verbatim. He could speak from heaven to you and me and tell us explicitly what we should do and what we should not do. And we have a nature that we will rise up against God and sin against God in his face. That's the kind of nature we have. You don't believe that? So when God brought Israel out of Egypt in 1500 B.C. and he brought them into the promised land. And he established them there and they wrought a legacy of continual rebellion against God. In 1000 B.C., there was a man who prayed, who had learned something both about his nation, Israel, and his own heart. And he was one of the greatest kings in Israel. And you know what he said? Lord, keep me back from presumptuous sin. And the great transgression. Who said that? David. He had 500 years of history. He had the spirit of God bearing record that not only was he saved, 
but that he was still also very capable of heinous sin. Are you hearing me? And one of the things that just marvels me is when people who profess to be Christians act like they're not still sinners. You know, you're not glorifying God when you pretend that you're better than David or better than Sarah. You understand what I'm getting at? And so there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a catechism here, a teaching here that we are called upon to think through in our relationship with God. First of all, God is good, isn't he? But God doesn't play, does he? God's holy, right? You got to hold those intentions all the time. Never distort the nature of God. He does punish sin, doesn't he? And in his inscrutable judgments, often we can never really know on this side of eternity. Deuteronomy 29, 29, call this the secret things of the Lord. Why he allows some people to cross the line and do things that are so wretched and horrible and why he keeps back other people from doing it. All I know is he keeps his elect from committing the one sin that will send them to hell irretrievably. And that's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. So in Numbers chapter 15, I want to show you the the teaching that God set forth while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And he knew he just knew. If I don't put this fence up, if I don't establish this parameter, if I don't build this framework into their conscience and their theology, they are going to, as a whole nation, rise up in blasphemy against me for sure. And so this is why God gives us warnings to keep us back. So in Numbers chapter uh, 15, here's an interesting context. Numbers 15, I'm going to start at verse 27. Now, this is a discipline that you will find in the book of Leviticus all the time. It's called the sin, the trespass offerings of ignorance. And so uh, God takes it up this way in verse 27 of Numbers 15. Now, if any soul sin through what? Then he shall bring a she goat of the first year for a what kind of offering? So you saw when I said ignorance is not innocence. It's still sin. And so you have to do the right thing in terms of acknowledging that you have sinned against God's precepts, only you just didn't know. You guys got that? So that's what he's teaching. Then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly. When he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him. And it shall be what? Forgiven him. Three times it emphasizes he sinned how? Ignorantly, you shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourns among them. That means the uh, native born Hebrew and then the foreigner proselyte who comes into the uh, commonwealth of Israel. And, And what that would mean is God doesn't have two laws in the world. Like if you are outside of the commonwealth. You are not part of the blessing of the covenant people of God. But when you come into the commonwealth, there's not a law for the uh, blood-born Hebrew and the proselyte-made Hebrew. There's not two laws. There's one law. There's one law giver with one law so that God makes us all equal, whether we are legitimately blood descendants of Abraham or whether we are brought in through uh, proselytization. It's one law. Here's what he goes on to say. But the soul that doeth ought or doeth anything, what is our word? Presumptuously. Do you see it? The soul that doeth anything presumptuously. 
And this is what we're going to work with here tonight. Now, some of you have been with me for a long time and you know we have dealt with this concept. But I know that in our Christian church, this is not a category that we deal with much. And so it's important for you to hear because this will help you be able to better uh, examine yourself. And determine what is the tenor and trend of your own relationship with Christ with regards to whether or not you are being presumptuous. Right? It's very important for us to think this through. I mean, the the fundamental warning of scripture is that on the last day, multitudes will think they're saved who are lost. And so we go on to read these words. But the soul that doeth anything presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same does what? Reproach the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. See that little phrase, cut off? That means damned. Damned. Killed, cut off, removed from the commonwealth, and it's equivalent to not being saved. Okay? It's equivalent to being, to being uh, exposed as not being saved. And, and it's a really harsh concept, and that's the terminology that God used basically for almost every open rebellion. And here's the reason why. Because he hath despised the word of the Lord. See it? He has despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment. That soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. You know what that means, right? No atonement. No justification. No removal of guilt. No washing in the sin. He has to bear his own iniquity. No substitute. No mediator, no one by which his sin can be transferred from him to somebody else so that he can be alleviated of his guilt. He must bear his crime. Now, what God does after giving the precept of this law of what is called actually in the Hebrew, the Hebrew language here is high handed. The word for presumptuously is what we would call high handed, high handed. Now, that's also uh, anthropomorphical terminology, and what it simply means is this. There are sins that we commit against God that are more subtle and more uh, uh, manipulative, more cowardly in nature. There are sins that we commit against God that are more subtle, more manipulative, and more cowering in nature. This is the disposition of the soul. This here is the complexity of sin, where the conscious knows this is not right. I'm struggling, but I'm doing it. Are you guys hearing me? This is the the soul knows. This is why I'm talking about the conscious, because this is critical to understanding how God views us. You're struggling, you're cowering. And so you find yourself getting trapped and drawn in as Romans chapter eight says, I find a law in my members that when I would do good, evil is present with me, causing me to enter into a struggle where my allegiance for Christ is abated. And I find myself led into something that manifests my fallen nature. Does anyone bear me record? Now, if I were to stay there and develop that in terms of the, uh, the new nature coexisting with the old nature in a body that's supposed to be a servant to the new nature, what I would say is the old nature ruled in that moment because you were not capable of being able to apprehend that old nature so as to make your body a member of righteousness. You thus gave your body over to your old nature and your body now became an instrument of war against the glory of God. Your new nature hated it. 
but it succumbed. And so it's struggling with the conflict of having done something that it did not affirm. Anybody following me what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when the soul walks in a state of full unity and total agreement and harmony with an act of rebellion against God, that's called high-handed sin, where you raise your hand and say, God, I see you, and you see me, and I'm doing this anyway. It's called high-handed sin. Are you guys hearing me? That's the language. I'm going to give you several verses so you can understand this. This is why one of the messianic traits essential to affirming an authentic conversion in the life of a Christian is the fear of the Lord. This is why one of the messianic traits, Isaiah chapter 11, essential to authenticating true Christian conversion is a fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let the world mock you who fear God. You are wise. You are wise. And it's fundamental to keeping me back from doing something that my fallen nature would be given over to do. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is right. The fear of the Lord is good. The fear of the Lord is wise. It's essential to an authentic relationship with God. The fear of the Lord will allow my confession to be authentic and pure. Are you guys hearing me? It's critical. Critical. Now watch the narrative. He's going to give us a case scenario and point to prove that God doesn't play on this matter of presumptuous sin. Verse 32. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness... They found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. Now, several chapters back, Moses had already instructed the people of God, the Sabbath is a unique sign. It's one of the things you guys will be able to affirm concerning covenant signs, ladies, next Wednesday, if you remember. One of the covenant signs was the Sabbath. In fact, that was a unique covenant sign given to Israel only. The covenant sign of Sabbath keeping was not for the Gentiles. It was not for the non-covenant people. It wasn't for the rest of the world. It isn't today. The covenant sign was only for the people of God. The people of God were called to keep Sabbath because keeping Sabbath separated them from the world and showed a distinguishing grace that was bestowed upon them where they worshiped the true and the living God in the face of the world doing all that they did. This one singular day manifested the distinction between the people of God and the rest of the world. Which, if we carry it over, the only principle that we bring into the New Testament is that when we gather together, as it were, on the Lord's Day, we call it Sunday, and worship, and we worship authentically, we are separating ourselves from the world, demonstrating publicly as a congregation that we are the covenant people of God. And they, for a few hours, get to see the distinction on a social level. And then we go back into the community with them because of our evangelical calling to be in the world, though not of it. Am I making some sense? So worshiping God in that separated state where we get together with God as the people of God under a covenant uh, 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 canopy to separate from the world is that we might have a devotion of time to be with God, to hear from God, to be affirmed by God, instructed by God, taught by God, educated by God. And then we go back out into the world to love people with the truth of the gospel. But we love them from an in the world, but not of the world status. 
Well, that's why Israel had 40 years in the wilderness. Because those 40 years were years of dependence upon God. He had separated them from Egypt. He had separated them from the world to teach them that he was married to them. That he was king. They were servant. That he was their father. They were his son. And that they were going to develop a strong relationship with each other before he would deploy them in the land. So that they would be affirmed in their identity and would know how to walk when they were in the world. Which is a struggle for the people of God. For while in the wilderness, we're fine with God. But as soon as we got to go to work, we forget we're Christians. That's because the time separated unto God is not effectual. Did you guys understand that? That's because the time separated unto God is not effectual. So we come to church and we play games and don't go deep with God. We won't be affirmed in our unique identity as the people of God so that when we go back to the world, we'll be able to stand in the midst of them, be with them, enjoy them, them, us, without us, as it were, contaminating them by hypocrisy or departure from biblical principles. That is basically denying our identity as people of God. And one of the reasons we come to church is to be strengthened in our identity in Christ so that when we're with people, we can actually be with them. And greater is he that is in you than he that's of the world. We can just, hey, this is who I am. (laughs) This is it. You don't like this. This is who I am. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And, uh, and, and, And so here is the account. Verse 33. And they found him gathering sticks. And they brought him unto Moses and Aaron and said, and, and, and unto all the congregation, verse 34, and they put him in ward because it was not declared what should be done unto him. This was the first time that someone had violated this law. Now, you remember what the Decalogue taught, right? Ten Commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the sum of the ten. At the top was no other God before me. The next command, no idolatry of any kind. The next command, you shall not take the Lord's God, the name of the Lord your God in vain. Next command, honor the Sabbath day. Can I go through the rest? Of course I can. We should all be able to go through all Ten Commandments because they are a commentary of the relationship between the people of God and God. So the man or the woman who fails to understand the importance of sanctifying the Lord's day is the man or the woman who doesn't understand the benefit of worship as a point of reaffirmation and strengthening of the identity that they have in Christ. And thus they are in danger of uh, misrepresenting God. On On this occasion, this man broke the fourth commandment, didn't he? This is an explicit violation of the fourth commandment. Now, Israel had done many other violations before Numbers 15, but certainly this man breaks this commandment. And Moses now is wondering, what, what, what does God want me to do? Verse 35, and the Lord said unto Moses, the man shall surely be what? Put to death. You know what that means? There was no blood atonement, no sacrifice, no expiation, no justification, No atonement for his sin. There was no way this man was going to be forgiven of his sin. And you might think that that's harsh. But God never judges unjustly. He always judges righteously. Now, why would he so matter-of-factly say, kill him? Because that man had openly 
with high hand said to God and all the people, God does not run this show. I do whatever I want to. This is just religion. Are you hearing me? I can do whatever I want to. Now, I know we we supposed to be worshiping God. But listen, if I'm cold, I'm going to do what I have to do to warm my house. I mean, I know what God said, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And listen, I'm letting everybody know I run my show. Kill him. Is what God said. Now, the other reason with which uh, God was so severe about breaking the Sabbath day, because he says you are to keep the Sabbath day holy. Right. Was because the Sabbath. The Sabbath, like many other signs and tokens that we're learning about the covenant, pointed to the person and work of Jesus Christ, God's darling son. And the man who started picking up sticks on the Sabbath day was saying to God, I do not need your rest. I do not need the death of your son to expiate my sins in order for me to have fellowship with you. I do not need him offering me the rest that comes as a consequence of his death. In other words, he was purely spurning the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. You guys got that? And so God says, no, 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 no. Stop him now. Because if you don't stop him, that act is going to contaminate everybody in Israel. And then on the Sabbath day, folks going to be doing all kind of stuff on the Sabbath day. Rather than resting and worshiping on the Sabbath day, they're going to be cooking hot dogs and hamburgers at church and they're going to be selling them. They're going to start putting up stands and selling banners and selling this and t-shirts on Sunday. This is how it led to the uh, den of thieves and robbers that Jesus had to whip out of the temple when he came initially twice. So a little leaven always does what? Leaven the whole lump. And let me just say this as I uh, get ready to go to a couple, two or three other scriptures. I have learned this over almost 30 years of observing Christians. If God doesn't reveal to you his covenant, you will despise the very things that God takes most seriously. If God doesn't reveal to you what's important to him, you will despise the very things that God takes most seriously. So, so what Christians have to do is learn what's important to God. Like, you know, there's all kind of rules and all kind of things we are, uh, 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 we are free to do. There are things that we are um, uh, compelled to do. There are things that we ought to do. But what you and I really want to learn is what really is important to God. And those important things are the things that must become important to us because they make for our wisdom. The passage that I would give you is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And you can just read it in your own time. But what it fundamentally says is that I beseech you, dear brethren, by the mercies of God, to render your bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord, which is well-pleasing in his sight, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. No more be conformed to this world, that you might know what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. You guys got that? So what what the believer is in pursuit of is the mind of God. The believer is in pursuit of the mind of God. And you will learn what really is important to God in terms of the priority of things. Everything's important, but there are some things that are that are essentially important. We would call them non-negotiables. Like the man or the woman that takes light worship is in trouble. The man or the woman that takes light 
the doctrines of the gospel is in trouble. The men of the women that takes light prayer is in trouble. Are you guys following me? So it's very important for you to know that there are some things by which, in fact, this is one of our verses in our biblical theology class. You can take it up and learn it. Psalm 25, verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will reveal to them his covenant. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. That means he will bless them to enter into the covenant truths of his revelation and his will. And they will know what is important to God. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 630 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.